So talking Xmas today, and, and that's kind of the first point I want to talk about is um, is Xmas. I'm looking at Luke chapter one, starting in verse eighteen. Now I'm sorry, I said Luke. That's that's next. I'm in Matthew chapter one. My apologies about that. Um, we're gonna we're going to Luke after Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. This is after the genealogy of Christ, and um, and and so starting off with Xmas. First thing, people get so upset. When they see Christmas abbreviated to Xmas, and I, I I do my best every year to share memes and to tell people that you should not get upset. It's okay. And the reason for that is, if you're watching the video, you can see here. I'm going to click on the name of Jesus, and Logos is going to bring up the Greek lexicon, and uh, we're going to see his name there, Jesus, right? Jesus, and then we look at his title. Now, Christ is not. Um, his last name. It is his title. It comes from the Hebrew Messiah. And in Greek, we see that it is Christos. And the word ka, in English, the ch, the phrase there, in Greek is an x. It's an x. And so when we say xmas, we are simply abbreviating the Greek form of Christ, as we see right there, into uh, English, and it becomes Christ. And so Xmas is not removing Christ out of Christmas. In fact, you are actually going back to the Greek, uh, the the actual uh, Greek uh, name of Christ in the New Testament. So uh, folks, don't be afraid to uh, uh, f- uh, say Xmas. Don't be afraid to um, uh, enjoy that abbreviation. I, I, I see people getting so angry, just so upset that uh, somebody would take Christ out of Christmas and and that type of thing. Well, Xmas is not doing that. Uh, maybe the uh, person who's saying Happy Holidays is. I don't know their heart, but Xmas is not. It's simply the name of Christ in Greek. Um, so, starting off with that, but moving on, uh, we're in Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. It says, "Now the birth of Jesus Christos, the Jesus Christ, took place in this way: when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be child with the Holy Spirit." Now, this was an extremely dangerous situation for Mary. She could have been put to death um, for uh, fornication and for becoming pregnant out of wedlock. Um, but Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, that is to um, Um, uh, have her executed, resolved to divorce her quietly. So we see the character of Joseph here coming out. He's not going to uh, have Mary executed. Uh, Probably he loves her. I mean, they're they're depicted as nothing but a happy, uh, successful marriage and couple later on in Scripture. Um, So I I imagine that he loves her quite a bit and um, does not want want to see her executed. Um, So he considered these things. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph would have known the prophecies, that all the Jews would have known uh, that the Messiah was promised and to be born of a virgin. And so uh, uh, he is believing now, Joseph is, that Mary is in fact pregnant by the Holy Spirit, not physically, as some people like to claim. This was simply just an indwelling into her womb by God. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that is the prophet uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's Isaiah 88, uh, I'm sorry, not 88, uh, chapter 8, verse 8 and 10, Emmanuel, that is 
God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, this is interesting that the Bible says in verse 25, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. The Catholic Church teaches a doctrine called the perpetual virginity of Mary, that she never had sexual relations with Joseph, um, which I think is completely false. Uh, We know later on Jesus has half-siblings. We know that uh, James, the author of James and the pastor of the church in Jerusalem in Acts, um, is the half-brother of Jesus, and so uh, it's just foolishness that... uh, that, that to believe that, um, it, because it's clearly says here he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Um, and so what I'm talking about today is we have a lot of people who are, are so uh, just bizarrely confused about Christmas, and, and, and it's full of tradition and ideology that has nothing to do with Scripture, but on the other hand, if it's done with thanksgiving and joy, then I, I, I have no issue with it, and I don't think anybody should. Um, I think it's, 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 it's truly being a Grinch to complain and whine about people who have Christmas trees. And yes, I'm familiar with pagan traditions and the origins of many of these things. It's obvious that Jesus was probably not born exactly on December 25th. The, the calendars don't work out that way. And so, but people get so, so upset about these things. And so I, I just think, you know, listen, if you are worshiping God as a Christian, you have a Christmas tree, put presents under it, you know, decorate it. If you're doing it in the name of Christ, if you're teaching your children about Jesus, the tree will not uh, uh, hurt them. Uh, I, I actually think far worse, is, the thing that I actually do complain about is the the teaching of young children by Christian families that both God is real and then for a time Santa Claus being real. And this kind of omniscient figure that lives at the North Pole on high and knows all things about the children's hearts and whether they've been good or bad. And, and I just think that's so damaging because you, you, you have a kid who God is real and Santa's real, but then you tell me Santa isn't real. And what's the difference between him and God? And why should I believe that God is real? And, I, and I've actually spoken to many young adults who have told me that's their, their, their uh, reverse testimony is that, well, I mean... Santa's not real. Why is God real? So I think that's far far more damaging um, than, than to uh, simply have a Christmas tree or to celebrate um, American, you know, cultural traditions. As long as they're not sinful, then I, I don't think there's any problem with it. Um, so in chapter 2, we have the visit of the wise men. Um, and notice that the, they're called the wise men. That is the, the word magi uh, or magician in Greek. Um, they came from the east. Now, it doesn't say how far from the east they came. Um, uh, so we're not exactly sure. Uh, notice they're not called kings. Um, you know, that's, that comes from the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Notice it doesn't give a number. It doesn't say there's three of them. Uh, traditionally, they, they say there's three because they brought three named gifts, but we don't know how many there were. Possibly there were, there was, uh, one, possibly there was 20 uh, we don't know. What we do know is that they saw the star. And of course, you have King Herod here, verse 3 of chapter 2. He's troubled. He wants to uh, wipe out this this new king that's going to come in. He's afraid that this new Messiah is going to take over the kingdom. Um, and so down in verse 7, he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
Um, and uh, but we know, of course, that Herod is uh, wanting to kill the Messiah. Um, they went on their way. Behold, the star had, they had seen rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so uh, I love this idea here of, of, of giving presents. And that's why we give presents on, on Christmas. And it's okay. It's okay to give presents. You're not doing anything unspiritual or unchristian. Uh, if And in fact, what I teach my children is you are getting gifts because Jesus received gifts and Jesus has given through himself the ultimate gift that is salvation. And so that I think it's a wonderful, wonderful tradition of gift giving. Uh, and they were warned in a dream. So we see the uh, another returning element here of dreams, uh, warning people to either do something important, taking Mary, or to not do something, which is to return to Herod, but instead to depart to their own country by another way. Um, and, and, and this is it for the Christmas narrative of Matthew. And this is not even the famous one. So again, recapping, uh, Xmas, it is okay. Um, We don't know how many wise men there were. There were certainly, it doesn't say anywhere, there was only three, and it does not call them kings. It simply says they came from the east. And we don't know how far east. And so, I mean, geographically, there's a wide area they could have come from. Um, And they uh, left, and they did not return to Herod. And so... And we and we kind of have this tragedy here that we kind of skip in most of our Christmas narratives of Herod killing children, uh, any that are two years old or under. And so uh, this is also an interesting nativity contradiction. The wise men probably did not arrive that night that Jesus was born. And I know we just kind of push it all together to get the story, you know, really quickly. Um, but Jesus was anywhere between uh, birth and two years old. When, when those wise magi uh, appeared. So uh, once again, just a tradition versus scripture. Don't get upset with people who, you know, if you're going to, church is going to put on a Christmas play and the wise men show up to the baby Jesus, you know, I'm, don't stand up and freak out, you know, that type of thing. Um, but again, it's important to know the truth and to have that truth in your heart so that you can uh, accurately discern. Um, so, uh, Eventually, we see the Lord appearing once again in a dream to Joseph, uh, down in verse 19 and 20, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So once again, we have the dream telling him what to do. Take the child, return to Israel, uh, Herod's dead, and all those um, who sought to kill him are now gone. So uh, uh, great stuff there. The the other Christmas narrative is in Luke chapter 2. Luke, um, and this is the one that uh, most people have uh, memorized. In fact, my daughter has this memorized all the way to verse, uh, let's see, 21. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. She has it memorized till verse 20. We don't really want to memorize the circumcision, do we? We you know, have young children asking us, what's circumcision, daddy? <laughs> uh, we, don't really, uh, we don't really do that very much. Uh, but in Luke chapter 2, we're looking at here on Logos, it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That's, of course, not all, the entire world. That's their world, their their region. Um, and uh, so they went. And Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, and because he was the house and lineage of David. So he's going to where he was born, and he's taken Mary with him. Now, they're going there ultimately because we have a prophecy that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. So 
Mary is there and with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Excuse me. So, a couple interesting things here. Number one, where's the donkey? Like, I I can't believe that that Mary did not ride in a donkey. Did did Joseph make her walk? Did he carry her piggyback style? What what is going on here? Well, this is once again an American uh, cultural tradition which has wormed its way reverse back into Scripture. Joseph and Mary are probably not alone. This is probably a caravan of families. The same way when they traveled to Jerusalem when Jesus is 12 and Jesus is in the temple and Mary and Joseph can't find him. They just assumed he was with a relative. Well, they're probably traveling with a whole great caravan of people. There's horses and donkeys and oxen and and food and, and this journey would have taken time. Joseph and Mary are not walking there by themselves. We do this because in America, when we have a mom and dad, and she's and the and the mom is pregnant, and they go to the hospital, and they kind of go behind a closed door, and then all of a sudden they come back out with a baby, and of course any parent or anybody, any any father and mother uh, knows what's going on behind those closed doors is not exactly uh, all nice and neat and <laughs> quick or quiet, um, but to to the nice little Christmas play at church or what the stories we show children, little cartoons, that's what happens. Well. In other cultures, they, they, they view this entirely differently. I, I, there's a great story about a missionary in Africa watching a Christmas play and how all the midwives in their culture are there, you know, they take care of the pregnant lady and the, and the baby and, and during the delivery, and uh, the father's pushed out of the room, like, well, you know, what are you going to do here, you know, and uh, how are you going to help? And um, so he, he, this missionary wrote, I can't remember his name, I feel terrible, but I, I'm trying to give credit, he wrote that he was amazed at how his own American cultural traditions had kind of warped his view of the Christmas nativity story and how their view of their culture you know, put into it. Um, but of course, the real, the, the important culture here is the Jewish one. And Mary would not have been alone. She would have had women and midwives to help her. Uh, we see this over and over again in the Jews, the midwives, of course, um, uh, appearing to uh, 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 lie to Pharaoh about the Hebrew women when they give birth and, and, and back in Exodus. And so uh, Mary would not have been alone. The other thing is this. Um, we, we, we have this idea here of of the uh well let's first do the animals so so there the time came for her to give birth and she gives birth to her firstborn son firstborn interesting that they're you know later on will be a second born probably and uh and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger now we kind of see that and we go oh man they're in a stable you know they're they're in some kind of uh, uh, uh animal holding pen because there was no place for them at the inn. And, and we even have created a character of an innkeeper who's not in Scripture here anywhere, and we've kind of made a villain who's, who sends J- Joseph and Mary away and get out of here with you and your pregnant wife, you know, wife and how dare you and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's a couple problems here. Number one, uh, you have to understand what Bethlehem was back then. Um, there is, there's no hotel in Bethlehem. There's not, not an American hotel anyway or kind of a European hostel that we would think of. No, I, there's, there's no place like that here. Uh, there would have been lodgings, and, and we do have the Good Samaritan later on in the parable that takes the, the beat-up person, the beat-up Jew, to an inn. But that's a different Greek word than what you have here. What we have here is the Greek word, let's see, kate, uh, kataluma, an inn or lodging. 
And look how one scholar says, you should be able to translate it, guest room. Guest room. Now, that changes things quite a bit because if she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest area of the house, that's a little different than the inn. Because we see inn and we immediately go, oh, hotel. And we invent a character of an innkeeper. Once again, the villain of the story. But he's not there. And you have to understand that what this place would have looked like. So you would have had a house that would have been two stories, the top story would have had the upper room, which comes back more and more uh, in G- later on in the life of Jesus, uh, the him meeting with the disciples in the upper room, appearing to them after the resurrection in the upper room. The lower room would have been an area uh, kind of like a shed or, or you know, the back porch of a house where you keep tools or you keep the lawnmower, that kind of stuff. Well, their lawnmower would have been the donkey or would have been an ox. And they would have brought the animals into the lower level of a house, the first story, during, you know, bad weather or winter or that type of thing. Uh, this is probably taking place during the spring. So the, uh, and of course, we later on, of course, we have shepherds who are uh, have their flocks out by night. So this is not winter and they're not freezing out there. Um, and so uh, there's probably no animals. And, and that's, I know that's huge for, for American Christians. No, you don't have animals in your nativity? Well, there, there's probably not any animals. The midwives would have taken the dirty animals out of the birthing room where poor Mary is giving birth. You know, it, we, we have this image of her laying in hay and straw. I, 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 th- I actually think a lot of these midwives, they probably would have uh, kind of cleaned that place up. God, you just simply imagine the, the upper room of the house is full. There's no room up there for this to happen. So they go to the bottom floor, most likely, and this is where she gives birth. And she lays him in a manger. This is not like a manger that, that, that Joseph pushed the cow out of the way so that Mary could lay baby Jesus into it. You know, I mean, this would be like if you had a family come over and they're staying with you because they have to you know, do a census and the mom is pregnant. All of a sudden, she goes into labor. And... She doesn't have the baby right there in, 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 in the living room where you and the kids are living, you know. You make space for her in the garage to give her some privacy and give the area for the midwives to be able to help her. So I'm, I'm so amazed that, that, that even myself, that, that I can so easily put my cultural traditions into these stories of, of Christmas and the nativity. So once again, in uh, properly is guest room. Mary's probably in the bottom floor, the first floor of a house. And I'm sh- I think probably they've, they've moved the animals out of there. Also, um, we uh, don't know exactly what time this was. Like we have the shepherds who are keeping watch over their flock by night, but we don't know that, that it was night when Mary first gave, gave birth. We don't know what time it was. Um, so once again, just being clear where Scripture is clear, and then where Scripture is not clear, we have to, we have to trust. Um, and so we have the shepherds and the angel of the Lord appears to them. We, we pretty much have this all pretty accurate in every Christmas story or play. The angels come, then they sing glory to God in the highest in verse 14 and on earth peace and uh, among those whom, whom he is blessed. The angel, the shepherds come. Now they come and see baby Jesus lying in a manger and not the wise men, but the shepherds see the baby lying in the manger. That's really important. And uh, the shepherds return. They're praising God. Uh, but Mary, it says in verse 19, is treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And so, 
uh, it just amazing stuff how we can easily put our our cultural traditions inside of these things. But let's look at one more thing. So what is the real joy of Christmas is, and I know it's easy even for Christians to drone on about the commercialism and the gift giving and material things and all of that. But let's look at John chapter one, verse 14. It says here, I'm trying to get it highlighted. Sometimes my computer does not want to, there we go. Um, In verse 14, it says here, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is the true miracle of Xmas. This is the true joy of Christmas. This is the true salvation. The word became flesh. Jesus is God and he left the heavenly place of perfection and communion with the Father and became flesh and put himself in the lowest form, the same form that we all have. The only thing separating us from Christ was his divine perfection without sin and he dwelt among us. And this is the true miracle of Christmas, that God was willing to come down to our level. We could never reach his level, but he came down to us. And that is why we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Christians, this has been somewhat of a hard year. And I'm hoping that as you're celebrating with your family this year, as you are sitting around the Christmas tree, and you're watching your children open presents or your grandchildren. And many people have different views and opinions about all these things, uh, you know, about the uh, gatherings and masks and all that kind of stuff. Remember this. Jesus came down to where you were. He came down to your level. You were never going to reach him. And he knew that. And he came down to where you were in your sin, in your hurt, in your pain. And you can see his glory. And this glory is full of grace and truth. And enjoy that this Christmas. It's so easy to get bogged down in either the commercialism or even the depression of the holidays. But this Christmas, after this year we've had, be full of grace and truth. Jesus has come down and you can see his glory. See his glory this Christmas season. God bless you and Merry Christmas.